Maine's boats, harbors, arts, and architecture since 1987. Bringing the coast as close as the mailbox. On the web at mainboats.com. Excuse me, does this do anything for you? How about this? this because this is the sort of thing we play in adagio slowed down bluesy jazz so dial us up tuesday evenings at six you might like it you might even hear something that really moves you Talk is made possible in part by Atlantic Challenge, home of the Apprentice Shop and the Community Sailing Program, offering youth and adult boat building classes year-round, plus internships, apprenticeships, and marine mentoring for middle school students. Atlantic Challenge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to craftsmanship, community, and the traditions of the sea. 594-1800 or AtlanticChallenge.com. And by the Redfern Boat Company of Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for powerboats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island. Redfernboat.com. It is 10 o'clock on the dot, and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning, good morning. It's uh, second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock in the morning. Time for Boat Talk here on Community Radio WERU-FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor. And... Around all seven oceans at WERU.org. I'm Alan Sprague, along here with Mike Joyce, your rusty anchors for Boat Talk. It's a call-in show for people contemplating things naval, and I'll give you the number right off in case you'd like to contribute anything to Boat Talk or any sort of question. The number is 1-866-625-9378. Boat Talk is the call-in show that uh, usually start off with a, with a pun here in the beginning, and I... I came up with 10 puns, and then after I thought about them, they were, none of them were very good, so that means there was no pun intended. No yeah. pun intended did work. And I was waiting for it and waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> kind, of, kind of getting down to the bottom of the barrel and the, the nautical pun thing. Well, I don't know how you do it to begin <laughs> with. Every once in a while, I come out with one accidentally, and I brag them up pretty hard, but I couldn't, couldn't make one uh, on purpose hardly. I've, I've, I've taken lessons, but I'm slow. So, boat talk uh, this morning. We've kind of got a little bit of an open field. We've got a couple of things we are in mind to talk about. We hope to get a call in a couple minutes 
from down to Eastport, and we'll talk about what's happening to the boat school down there because the too good to be true dream for the boat school was too good to be true. So frequent topic here on yeah, boat things talk. Things be changing down there. We got a couple little things in the news. Uh, not too much though. The boat school is most of it. And then I thought this morning we might talk about uh, safety and life jackets and and such like that. Uh, Richard Malaby, a uh, politician from Hancock County here, Maine, Maine. Uh, politician is uh, introducing a bill that everybody in a kayak or canoe will have to wear a life jacket and mind you there's uh, other people that want to have those canoes and kayaks uh, non-motorized craft now be registered as well and excised mm -hmm. uh, which we're not currently doing yet but it's been proposed uh, several times been shot down the whole idea of a license for saltwater fishing too it's all coming uh, pretty soon will your dog be allowed to go swimming without a life vest soon. <laughs> uh, good question. Yeah. Uh, we'll show, you know, someday we'll we all be life vested on the Boat Talk cruise, and, and properly so. Um, you know, we did the Boat Talk cruise the other day. Oh, that's right. We did. Saturday o night. October 1st. Yeah, it was a little rainy. It's like a lightning storm in here right now, Alan. Yeah, the yeah, phone we, flashes on our... Uh, we, have, we have two, so let's... let's uh, yeah, I guess break. we got to. Go right to, uh, to one of our listeners who are calling in. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. This is Captain Yo. Hello, Good Captain Good morning, Yo. Captain Yo. How's it this morning? Well, you guys seem to be a little slow in casting off, so I thought I'd <laughs> take a couple of moments. It's only been a minute, man. Yeah. To uh, boast about having launched my Santa Maria model in time for Columbus Day. Oh. Columbus, yeah. Uh, God bless Christopher Columbus. How big is your Santa Maria? It's a sailing, it's She's, a carved sailing model. That's correct. It's a carved cedar hull. She's about thirty-six inches long with nineteen pounds of lead in the keel. Huh? Nineteen. Wow. I have. I've never done a model quite like this. I'm used to schooners and sloops. It's got a lot of top side to it, doesn't it? Well, I ballast them so that they simulate being heavy loaded as if they've just left port. And, and you have to to get the stability in the model. So I'm running down the details of the rigs and learning how to trim these ponderous square sails. I made bonnets that tie onto the bottoms of the sails because they didn't have reef points. They would just cast the bonnet off to make the effective sail smaller. And the other day, on her initial sea trials, I actually got her on a broad reach, and she stabilized herself, and she headed for East Bunker Ledge. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty impressive to see that I could actually make it go. I've been making schooners go for quite a while. but So now the next thing is to take her out by the ducks with the inflatable and take some serious photographs of her climbing the seas and We'll be able to learn how to run a 15th century ship without putting passengers and crew at risk. That's that's pretty cool, yo. Now, you set the sails on this and then just kind of let it go. You don't have them radio controlled or anything. No, like no, that. I don't do any electronics. Yeah. It's sort of like flying a kite. And Too cool. It really is a challenge for anyone's seamanship because, first of all, you have to figure out how to set the helm and the sails so she will hold the course. yeah. yeah. And then secondly, you got to roll like hell to get in front of her again because she won't turn around. Right. <laughs> and then picking her up in a lump of sea without causing a collision and breaking the rig yeah. and fouling mm -hmm. the oar. And it's a hell of a sport. I really like it. I've been doing it my whole life, and I really do enjoy rowboat model sailing, and I'm looking forward to seeing it as an Olympic sport someday. You're out there pretty much by yourself, though, yo, aren't you? Well, 
it's it's tough to handle such a big model with nobody else in the boat. Yeah. And I can't take the photographs myself. I tried it the other day, and it's so awkward to boat the oars, pick up the camera. And, of course, these modern cameras, they make you wait for a moment. So I do like to right. bring my photographer, that's Barb McCrum. I've made a special camera mount out of a Hackmatack crook, so the camera can be held over the side of the boat without too much leaning. Hmm. That way the objective is right down at water level, right. and that gives plenty of profile to get a good view. Uh, so I don't want to take up too much time, but we had spoken about the uh, obsolete sailing oh, vessel cool. uh, subject previously, so I just thought I'd give our listeners an update, and thanks once again, guys, for running this well, wonderful Well, before, before you go away, yo, we, we got, got one more thing, too, yeah. yeah we got it, yeah. Uh, for, for the Boat Talk, uh, dot org website. We'd like to see some pictures. You said you're taking some, so if uh, I don't know if you do email or not, but uh, somewhere or another, we got to get together, and I'm sure there's some interest in seeing some Absolutely. some of those pictures. I, got, I uh, guess I should go ahead and tell you and everybody that I do have a website that's up that has photos and videos and bios. It's not quite finished, but there's some interesting material at flamingfish.net. Flaming Fish. Flamingfish.net is my website for people who want right. to see the entire line of models. Well, I'll get off the air. Thanks. No, yo, uh, two more two more quick things. <laughs> you were uh, talking about the Santa Maria, of course, the uh, Christopher Columbus ship, and it was Columbus Day on Monday. The Bangor Daily News, anybody see they did an editorial Monday um, saying, Columbus, now, come on, for a hero, how about Samuel de Champlain? And uh, he was an explorer. He went back and forth across the ocean like 24 times. Columbus did, I think, four times, at least once or twice in chains, and uh, as a prisoner in his own boat. And uh, the thing about Champlain was he, he uh, courted local knowledge. And uh, Columbus was more apt to court people by knocking them on the head. Yeah. And uh, Champlain was, uh, among other things, probably run aground on East Bunker Ledge according to history, in about 1604, when he was visiting here for the first time. And he pulled his ship into uh, Otter, Otter uh, Cove there and, and careened it, tipped it over and repaired it, and then met the Indians who took him through the western way and into Somme Sound and then up to the river towards Bangor. And uh, so anyway, you're talking about your Santa Maria model running East Bunker Ledge, and I'm just thinking the, 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 the collision of history with Columbus and... and uh, Champlain there in East Bunker Ledge and their two ships. Too much, man. Time, time tripping. That's what it's all about. Can I tell you one more time tripping thing? I saw you in a movie. The movie is called uh, Penobscot, The Battle No One Remembers. No kidding. Did yes. you get some shots of me? Golly, that was ages ago. Yeah, you remember that? MPBN filmed the, the reenactment of the Penobscot Expedition in 1979, which was its 200th uh, anniversary. And John Greenman, now of WERU in the comedy show, um, made a, a, a small hour film about it called Penobscot, The Battle No One Remembers. You show up in it in costume as a musician and get a musical credit, yo. <laughs> I was very impressed. Fabulous. I recognized you right away, and then when I saw your name in the credit, I, I mean, you know, we had to pause that one. Well, that was a hell of a battle, and I do have to add a note here. Dave Pisch was my crew member on that voyage, 
Mm-hmm. And he led a glorious bayonet charge. Dave Peace, the talking furniture that's man. That's right. Well Dave renowned Peace. from WERU. He led a glorious bayonet charge against the uh, rebel lines, shouting, God save the king. Against the rebels? <laughs> and who gave Dave Peace a bayonet, man? We, we were British. Wow. Yeah, we were assaulting the American Wow. British. Oh, my goodness. I'm he surprised you got Dave on the water. He was cut down by a fulsome volley as the lieutenant, somewhat alarmed, shouted out, no hand-to-hand. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this film is available at Northeast Historic Films for a copying charge of, like, no 10 kidding. bucks. Yeah. Um, there's no copyright. You can just get it for the copying, copying fee. Northeast right. Historic Film in, in Bucksport has well, it available. That reenactment thing is a lot of fun. But it's a really expensive, and it entails a lot of uh, wow. travel. There but was... I still have my firearms and garb and whatnot, so I can go crash one of those events. And, you're a Tory, and man. Still do that. Apparently, you're a Tory. Oh no, I got both. I go both ways. I see. All oh, right. Yeah. Well, I have a whole closet full of um, stuff. I can go loyalist. I can go patriot. And a lot of people down here did because they had to. Had to. That's some history right there, man. Well, guys, once again, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. Anytime, thank you. Captain Musarian. Go to the next phone call. Yeah. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. This is Dean Pike. Hi, Dean. Dean Pike, calling from Moose Island Marine down to Eastport, Maine, ain't you? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, and Dean, uh, we've talked to you a bunch of times on Boat Talk before. Also an instructor at the boat school down in Eastport. That is correct. Yeah, have been for quite a while. Um, Probably longer than most view, mo- most listeners have been on the face of the earth. There you go. <laughs> um, we have been covering what was uh, happening down at the boat school. Uh, Husson College took it over, beautiful thing. And uh, then this fellow, David Marlowe, come along, a summer resident of Brooksville, Maine, yes. right nearby here. He's a yacht builder overseas, wants to be doing some uh, yacht building here and stuff, and he looked it over pretty hard, made a proposal, and then he just disappeared because he was too good to be true. And uh, at the same time, the boat school is losing money. It's owned by the town, but administrated by Husson College. The town's losing money on the thing. Something's got to give. And uh, so something, something has given, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, what's, uh, what's, what's happened is as soon as, uh, as David uh, you know, pulled his proposal, he'd found other, other interests. We... Uh, the Friends of the Boat School put together a proposal to to take over the facility. Uh, that happened in around July uh, that we made that proposal to council. Uh, at that time, also, uh, uh, PMC, Perry Marine, they're doing a lot of the, uh, the construction work for uh, ORPC, which is doing the tidal uh, turbine underwater tidal turbines, um, they needed a place to assemble these huge underwater tidal turbines. So in keeping with uh, Maine's Marine Technology Center, where the boat school is, uh, uh, the Friends and uh, PMC are working out a deal where uh, PMC will get uh, get some land, get the the dock, and then they'll give... Moose Island Marine access to the water, and then they'll turn the 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 boat school, all of the boat school buildings, the Travelift Bay, paint shops, mechanic shops, everything over to the boat school, and we'll continue uh, on with the boat school with with of course waterfront access, the whole bit. So if everything goes like it's planned, uh, it'll be a win-win for everybody. 
Wow, and these people, uh, let's just go sideways for a minute. They're going to be building these big, look like uh, push lawnmower mm -hmm. rotor blades, don't yep. they, the, the uh, water turbines? Yeah, I, I have been admonished for not calling them foils. Foils, <laughs> okay. Foils. Yes. Um, Sounds so high-tecker, don't high it? High-tech, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, the last, the last thing that I knew, the last uh, presentation done to city council up here, was uh, actually these foils may actually be produced by Hall Spires. And, of course, a lot of your listeners are familiar with Hall Spires. Uh, uh, so mass, yeah. Yeah, so they're, uh, uh, they may actually be doing the composite foils, but, the of course, the assembly has to happen near the water because these things are, well, uh, each... each uh, turbine each each half of the turbine is as big as a, a tractor trailer box so you put two of these end on end you get an 80 foot structure you got a launch which I'm hope I'm in hopes that we can do with the with the travel lift that we have up here and then uh, of course there's a big underwater structure that has to be fabricated to actually uh, hold these puppies down to the bottom so it's quite a and that structure is like uh, 60 by 120 or something in that ballpark. So that's quite a that's quite a large object to uh, to launch. And there's local people that are making these Perry Marine Corporation. Well, well yeah, this is a, this is going to be done almost. You know, I mean, a lot of local labor, a lot of local labor, and of course the boat school. You know, we fully intend on keeping going with with uh, with a uh, a wood. Wood construction, uh, you know, a wood construction uh, a year, a composites year, and uh, also a mechanics year. So actually, an individual could come up and take one. They could be here for one, two, three years, and then, of course, our full intent is to bring back uh, uh, industrial and marine coatings. And uh, but that's not going to happen until 2013. But things are looking good. I mean, it's uh, you know, it it uh, Husson is uh, is doing everything it can to pass the torch efficiently, and uh, you know, if everything works right, it's uh, it's going to be business as usual. Uh, we're we're currently teaching out a, a senior year here now under Husson, and then we're accepting freshmen for the fall of 2012. Dean. Um Try and explain one thing to me. The boat school cost the town of Eastport money this year, didn't it? Um, it it has for a whole bunch of reasons, really. Which, which you know, eh, um, these buildings don't heat efficiently. So we're going to have to. We're obviously uh, going to have to look at various methods of making. Uh, you know, th these uh, they're they're great buildings for teaching they're lousy buildings to heat uh and and it's got a fairly uh, uh old heating system that's got to be updated not that the boilers are old but it's just it's the method of delivery that's that's kind of archaic but anyway um yeah the uh, esport definitely lost money for a whole bunch of reasons some of them self-induced some of them beyond the city's control but I guess what I'm asking is, um, 
so I believe the, the legal entity owner now will be the Friends of the Boat School. That, that's correct. And if there's a deficit, uh, they're on the hook. That is. That whoever is, whoever that, they that, is. Well, well the I mean, they's a, they's a bunch of us that are, right. are, are bellying up to the bar and, and uh, kicking in some money. And, uh, and obviously, alumni support is critical. Industry support is critical. I mean, the, the, the marine industry itself has got to, you know, decide, do you want, uh, do you want trained, uh, a trained labor force? And if they do, then it's worth supporting uh, in one way or another. That could mean just, hey, uh, hire our graduates. Or, or it could mean send us a, a prospective student. You know, there's a whole bunch of ways people can support the, the marine trades in this state. I see where the uh, people in the Hinkley Company came down and toured your facility with an eye towards, uh, you know, possibly acquiring it. But I also noticed that uh, Mike Michaud, uh, Congressman Mike Michaud, was down at the Hinkley Jet Plant in Trenton, Maine the other day, and, and they were showing off a couple of uh, Hinkley jet boats that they're sending to China, to millionaires in China. Mm-hmm. We're building them boats now. How about that? You know, with our skilled workforce that the governor says we ain't got no skilled workforce, you know, and and the boatyards are always yelling for skilled people, too, and we got a boat school, and and these Chinese billionaires are going to need their toys, man. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather see it going that way, though. I'd rather see them buying our stuff, you know. Why not? No doubt about it. <laughs> um, well, but, but I, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, if 50 is the critical number, you've got to have 50 students in in the three or four programs you got to be offering summer classes uh you've got to be offering continuing education classes uh, there's a whole bunch of ways that you can uh, there's a whole bunch of ways that you can bring in income and there's a whole bunch of ways you can cut costs too which haven't been necessarily done nobody knows the place better than than uh, you and some other folks obviously and uh um, on the other hand, you got to be able to zoom out and see different things and, and new possibilities too, don't you? That's going to be a bit, of, a bit of a challenge, Dean. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Best uh, of luck. And and you know, I I would say uh, de- definitely just a plug here. If if there are any uh, educators in high school that have kids that 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 they feel want to you know that would be interested in the marine trades. Uh, the phone number up here is eight five three two five one eight. Karen's a secretary. She can, you know, send out applications and brochures. Morning, Karen. I talked to her. She, yes, she's sir. listening. I think she's very yep. nice. So, yeah, no, no, she's heads up. Yeah, um, we, we got a good crew up here. Some good instructors. You know, and and essentially, once the torch is passed, the instructors stay the same. The curriculum stays the same. It's, it's, uh, you know, we've we've been doing that for forty plus years. So nice. I heard some. Uh, uh, real sweet things about the Pirate Festival in Eastport this summer. Hey, I only have one word to say about that, and that would be, Arr! Arr. <laughs> Tell me one more thing, too, Dean. These uh, uh, tidal power, uh, wh- what are we calling them, uh, foils? Yeah. As yeah. opposed to, uh, ro- you know, uh, lawnmower yeah. rotors, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that's the picture, though. Um, are they upsetting anybody? Is there anybody who's against them that wants to save the bay or save the herring that are going to get shot? I mean, you know, these things are supposed to operate at depth on uh, moorings, and then they would come up to the surface, so they wouldn't actually be in anybody's way or sight. Well, of course, they're going to have to, you know, they'd be just like anything else. You'd have to, you know, like, of course, 
we're we're still uh, we still embrace aquaculture up here. Uh, <laughs> we have aquaculture cages that that have to have that have to have sites that are delineated uh, so that you can't actually drag inside them and foul their anchors. This would be quite similar. Mm. Um, I think th- this company ORPC is very um, sensitive to listening to fishermen where uh, traditional bottom fishing existed and try best anybody can to to stay out of those areas. But you know as well as I do, there's going to be there's going to be some conflict and there's going to be some give and take. That's the way this stuff goes, I guess. Uh, you know, when when you look at when you look at aquaculture and the way it has progressed up here, uh, in some areas it hasn't it hasn't progressed because people just didn't want it. But uh, we still do up here, so I, don't, I I think it'll I think they'll they'll get along. Of course, there's a big there's a big uh, demand also on the Canadian side for these units. I tell you what, Dean uh, used to deliver uh, the boss's boat down there all the time. The boss used to fly in his jet, and I used to fly out. And you fly out of the Eastport Airport there and look down. You can't count the pens. Yeah, yeah. It's it, they've they've done uh, they've done a bunch of good things lately in not keeping the sites active year after year after year. They'll let a site lay fallow, let the bottom rejuvenate, let you know. And then they'll move they'll move sites around the bay, so all sites aren't active. That seems to have made quite a difference yeah. in, in in the fish disease regime, anyway. And looking down on the water from the uh, plane above Eastport, there we're looking at Canadian and American sites too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah there's there's way more sites on the Canadian side than are even on our side. Well, best of luck down to Eastport there, Dean. Maybe, yep. you know, uh, you know, hope you prosper, and then the rest of the country can hold on to Eastport. How's that for that's, vision? That, that's, you know, fly in or boat in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, look, you guys take care, and thanks for having us on. Oh, good to talk to you All this right. morning. We're always uh, always fans, uh, you know, uh, the boat school. And uh, as I say, vision and, and energy, man, nothing, nothing that can't be done because people always have boats and and uh, like I say, skilled uh, skilled trades a good thing to. Uh, it's just a value. There's no doubt about it, especially here on the coast of Maine. Let alone it's a it's a uh, portable trade as well. The whole boat thing. I've, I've seen it as not just a job, but quite an adventure as well. You know, so big fans. All right, thank you, Dean. Dean Pike from down to Moose Island Marine in Eastport, Maine. We're doing boat talk this morning. Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. And uh, give us a call, please. We wanted to talk about uh, life jackets, too, maybe this morning, and safety. Oh, yeah. one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. 625 It's easy to get sidetracked talking to people. I'm sorry, but I wanted to ask Dean about his safety habits on the water. He's been around the water all his life, too. Mm. Um, you know, what's his safety habits around the water? Uh, Richard Malaby, who is a... Uh, Oh, state legislature from uh, Hancock County here. Notice that I believe four people drowned in kayak fatalities here in Han- just in Hancock County this summer. Not one of whom was wearing a life jacket. One was on his honeymoon on the last day of his honeymoon. Ooh. Yeah, on Sunday morning. Uh, so anyway, uh, all terribly tragic. 
Now uh, he wants to introduce a bill that you'd have to wear a life jacket and a kayak or a canoe full-time. I don't know. Doesn't uh, We're not to sailboats and motorboats yet, but why not? I can't tell you why, why not. Why not? Yep. And here's the other thing I've been thinking. I've been safety lax, uh, you know, kind of professionally and just congenitally my whole life. I don't know about you. You grew up with a life jacket on? On freshwater? No. No? No. And uh, offshore now, uh, on the saltwater, you see a lot of people who wear the inflatable harnesses. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll see a couple, and they'll both be wearing them on their, on their cruising boat. And, and uh, y you know, um, it's almost, I hate to say it, it's almost like the fellow who is the fly fisherman who's wearing all the, all the right stuff from the catalog sort of thing mm. and, you know, shows that they're good shoppers and, and very safety conscious. There's, I mean, those inflatable harnesses are not rated by the Coast Guard as good as your, your uh, regular... Um, PFDs. Yeah, PFD. It's not, it's not rated as an actual PFD, but they're working on that. But it, it can save you life. They're surprisingly heavy. Are also fairly expensive. The cartridges need to be renewed. Um, I don't have one. I don't wear one. Uh, but anyway, I've been thinking about safety for quite a while. There was a fella uh, this spring from Phippsburg, Maine, and I'm sorry I forgot his name. He was in his early 40s. He was a local fella, and he worked on the water, clamming and fishing, and took care of an island in the river there. And he lived his life on the end of the Kennebec River there, which is a it's a heck of a piece of water, you know. It's a, a great bit of tide going Always down. Always moving, it's, yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky piece of water. So much so that um, there was a couple things about this guy. When the wardens had anything to do on the water there, they weren't looking for him. That was, that was his water, okay. And he had a dog, and everybody knew his dog uh, better than they knew him even, okay. And they found his boat this spring on a beach without him. Found him about a week or two later. And uh, you have to wonder how surprised he was or, or how regretful when whatever happened to him happened to him. And uh, wearing a life jacket, no. He grew up on that. You know, that was his, you know, he never wore a life jacket. I don't either. Mm -hmm. um, it's may, I've been thinking about him all year, though. Well, I do have a, a good news story along that same line, too. Just a couple of days ago, three people were out sailing in northern Cobscook Bay up near Eastport. Uh, uh, an adult and two children, and they did have their life jackets on in a 14-foot sailboat, and a gust of wind came along, capsized the sailboat, and they were in the water for 45 minutes. Fortunately, somebody on shore saw the boat go over and uh, called the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard came and picked them up after 45 minutes. And uh, Cold water. Yeah, they were cold, but they were still floating. I mean, I don't think you or I would have hung out for 45 minutes on top of the water. I wonder if they did what they were supposed to do and hung right on to the boat, too. I didn't ask if the boat sunk yeah. or not. Because you I talked should. to the Coast Guard yeah. fellow in Eastport. I think, I think maybe the boat may, may have sunk when it capsized. Yeah. Huh. Um, not a good time to go in the water. I've been uh, whitewater kayaking lately without a life jacket because, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, don't have a, I don't have a stylish life jacket. Yeah, well, I don't think stylish is so important. Stylish is not the issue, well, clearly. When you're white water, you're, you're in water that you can stand up in anyway. So. I, I am, too, and I'm, I'm right near home as well, but that's, uh, you know, literally no excuse. So right. I could also hit my and head still on still cold, too. Yeah. We do have another phone call. Well, let's give the phone number, too, uh, so other people can think about it. 1-866-625-9378. We call it Boat Talk. We'll talk about anybody, mostly about boats. Uh, good morning. Who's there? Hey Andy. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm good, and I wear my life jacket when I'm 
when I'm lobstering, even when I have my sermon, I usually wear it. And I don't know, you know, it's I don't get all prissy. I don't, you know, think I'm uppity or super safety conscious. But, um, I mean, I've had a couple times where you're working on the deck of a boat and it's slippery and you can slip on a piece of kelp and there's a lot of things that can happen. And I maybe it's because I spent four or five years in the Coast Guard working on buoy tenders and we always wore a work vest, so I'm, I'm comfortable in it. But I just put it on. And uh, and then from the more stodgy aspect of it, I think if I ever went overboard by myself and I didn't have a life jacket, I'd be so pissed off in my final minutes that uh, you know I that's I, I want to prevent that. <laughs> that's it, too, isn't it? Right there. I don't want to, I don't want to drown being agitated. <laughs> I and I think of that guy down in Phippsburg. I don't want to drown going. Ain't you stupid? Yeah, you that, that would annoy me to no end. Yeah, to do that. and I don't want to be scared to death or being being maimed either. But you know, but I don't want to. I don't wanna be regretful of my own stupidity. Yeah, yeah, and the, you know, the simple fact is, is if you may be unconscious, you know, but you could that you know that could give you another extra ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes for somebody to pick you up, and if not, it would you would you would be recovered, you know, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, he was missing and nobody ever found him. And, you know, that go, that I've seen people go through that, and it's not very nice. Well, you are a diver, Andy. I was going to ask you if you've uh, seen the uh, the results of somebody sinking because they didn't have a, a life vest, and that probably made an impression on you. Uh, uh, no, my only body recovery experience has been when I was a kid and saw people drag the river. So I, and, uh, so I didn't, I haven't personally had to pick anybody up. As lobstermen, though, Fairly rare, somebody wearing a life vest as a lobsterman. It is. Uh, you see people who are, you know, young guys who have to, be, you know, because the law requires it, or because their parents make them when they have the skiff. But, you know, but then they, you know, they get out of it. I, I don't know. It's, it's just, you know, you can get some really some of those ones that that are uh, just for kayaking are really, you know, really almost, you know, they. They're not, you know, they're not a class, you know, a high class PFD that'll keep you keep your face out of the water if you're unconscious. But they're easy, you know. They're it's it's not it's not very it's not cumbersome. They're comfortable to work in and just you know, just put it on. I, I I used to get a few funny looks, you know, like oh, well, you, you know, you, you know, the snide comments or the funny comments. But I, I don't care. It's just I, you know, I just wear it comfortably. And and now that I've got the little guys with me, you know, they wear theirs, so I wear mine. And, mm-hmm. That's a good you example. You know, hopefully you never use it, but. Hopefully you never use it, but it's not. Uh, you know, but there's enough instances where, you know, if somebody had a life jacket on, you know, something would, something terrible could have been averted. Never been in the water accidentally yet. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I have, but, uh, but, but <laughs> I have, but the, I've had a couple. I had a toggle hit me in the face. You know that I was. I was bringing a trap in really, you know, while well, you bring them in really uh, fast. Onto your, little, onto your davit winch. Yep, and it, yep. Had a little, it had some seaweed wrapped around it, and so it was kind of wagging through the water. And just as it got to the boat, and I thought I was about to just stop, you know, slow down, it popped free of the seaweed, it came up and it hit me right in the face, and I almost went overboard, you know, and almost, you know, just lost my vision and couldn't hear very good. And was, and, I, and that's one of the things that I thought, there's so much, so many bad things that can happen really quickly that you'd never suspect and uh you know and and what and, and if i'd gone overboard if i'd gone overboard semi-conscious i might not have survived so um you know it's just one of those experiences and i i, I also find the life jacket or pfd you know to be really easy you know to easy to wear and yeah. so comfortable now so well, why good, not it's just good, become a habit good advice captain like you say that uh 
tunk on the head comes with only the last moment of realization, <laughs> and it's not enough to, to repent and go, you know. Uh, I saw it, you know, you don't, just don't see it coming. Um, that's, that's good advice. And I say, good example for the young ones, too. Geez, I had, you know, on your previous caller there, I was, he was talking about aquaculture up in the up in the salmon farms and, and uh, you know, not, not working on the lease site because they don't want to get fouled in the anchors. There's been a couple sites up there where I've gone and retrieved drags, and I, I don't want to encourage people to, to do that, but the guys in the farm, they had their own barge, and it was almost like a, you know, a, fairly regular occurrence where if you had a drag you put your head you know, the guys up there they kind of put their head down and kick the kick the dust and say oh by the way is there any chance and some of the guys on the you know on the farm were using you know would, would pick the drag up get the drag out of there for you if it was hung up yeah <laughs> so they're pretty accommodating as far as they don't want to keep people from uh keep people from the wild fishery in spite of the aquaculture stuff one there. point i was going to make to dean pike there from down to eastport was uh they were talking about the floating offshore windmills they're they're proposing for the coast of maine maybe 10 20 miles out and but they got to talk to the fishing community there's no part of the water that nobody's using that's, that's, and that's that true. also includes not just the top okay using visually or for navigation or for, but we're talking the bottom too um, the bottom is quite spoken for um, yeah, as well. Somebody's going to, you know, if that flies, somebody's going to be displaced. Yeah. They're not, they're, people don't really have a concept of the scope of those. You know, they're not going to put one out there and it's going to be bottom. No, along. it's got to be it dozens, hundreds. Right, and it takes up, you know, square, we're talking square miles, not, you know, not 100 yards. Yeah. And uh, you can't, you won't be able to fish in there, mm-hmm. you know, any way, shape. You know, you probably you could probably go out there and, uh, tie off to one of the things and drop a you know drop a hook and line over like all those structures even down in the in the Gulf because fish start congregating about them but it'd be nothing it, it, you know it'd be off limits to commercial harvesting for sure. Uh, yeah, plus the cables that go all the way to shore too are going to be a, yeah. a problem. Well, so uh, I don't think the, I don't you know the cables in you know those cables are big you know heavy heavy duty and and in most places where they are talking about how far out to put those put those structures those cables you, there's not. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of dragging. There were probably I, don't, I can't see how there'd be much interaction dragging in uh, you know those depths of water there until the cable comes close to shore. And that you know they could work around that because there's already cable areas. Mm-hmm. This ain't no free power, is there, Andy? No, there is not. No. Damn it! But we can take safety precautions, and we appreciate you calling this morning. All right, have a good day, guys. Yeah, anytime. Like I say, uh, he's wearing his PFD, and I've been thinking about it. But, and I'm I'm very very badly joking when I say it's a matter of style. Well, right now, yeah, it's a matter of style because you look wicked smart is what it is. Well, I was uh, out in the yard the other day, and along come uh, mind you on a scenic back road from from uh, Bangor down towards Ellsworth there. Okay, and I tried to count them, and, and there was probably sixty motorcycles came down on a gaggle, and they pulled over and, and uh, you know, made a big circle there and, and uh, had a little set to and stuff, and, and then they roared off. And when they roared off, they made a fair, I mean, the noise. And they're very proud of that noise. It gives them visibility. And they, they, the motorcycle people tout, tout the noise issue as a safety issue uh, when it's kind of cool and they like, you know, they like to make the noise. Here's my proposal. If we want to keep these motorcycle people safe, they should all wear fluorescent green jumpsuits. 
Have you seen bicycle people on the side of the road? Where, and oh, yeah. Yeah, that really stands out. Not mm-hmm. the orange, fluorescent green. There is nothing less cool to be dressed in than fluorescent green anything, okay? <laughs> but you get seen. You don't have to be noisy, but it's not going to go with your leather, uh, you know, your, your bike leathers and stuff, but fluorescent green. If we want to all be safe. And again, how far do we want to push this life jacket thing? Um, you know, um, I judge risk generally, and it's pretty risky before we put the life jacket or even the harness on. And we do single night watches offshore on sailboat deliveries and stuff, and they're never tied to the boat at night. And uh, I don't, I don't go off the back of the boat anymore because of prostate issues, mm-hmm. you know, to be quite honest. But uh, you know, the nightmare has always been to be uh, bobbing in the wake of the boat, watching it sail away at night without you, wondering how long you can tread water, and knowing your buddies are asleep and they ain't coming back for mm-hmm. you. So you right, know. yeah. Um, and don't want that moment of uh, just stupid regret um, in the last mo- minute before it hits you in the head. And, You're right. I'm pretty you know, quick you to go put over on the a side. harness, too. Yeah. It's a good thing. Well, they're heavy and they're awkward and stuff, and, and uh, you know, it's just it's a pain to be tied to the boat or wearing a, wearing a life jacket. It's not that much of a pain. It's just uh, yeah. it's a feeling of security is the way I look at it. And I'm devil advocating both sides, I believe. Maybe you'd like to give us a call this morning, and, and uh, how do you feel about it? Would you like to have all your, all your uh, crafts registered? I mean, they really should be as a matter of societal good, and so should we all be wearing protection. Um, Boat Talk this morning, 1-866-625-9378. Phone is ringing. I have one little quick message to talk about. Uh, our friends at the Penobscot Marine Museum are going to be having a, uh, a conference on October 21st and 22nd talking about main boats and boat builders with several uh, well-known speakers, including John Johansson, who uh, is the writer or the uh, editor and publisher of Maine Coastal News, the monthly coastal news movement. New paper. David Crockey, president of the M- Museum of the Small Craft Association here in Maine. Ralph Stanley, we all know Ralph, the, the uh, great friendship sloop builder. And David Andrews from the Gamage Boatyard down in South Bristol. And Walter Ansel, who is the uh, shipwright down at Mystic, where Jeff Gold's been working on the, the uh, Charles W. Morgan. All, all these great guys are going to be talking uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, all kinds of good presentations, but there, um, I have to say that there is a fairly hefty um, admission fee to this conference. So if you've got some more information and like to find out about just what's going on there, you can go to PenobscotMarineMuseum.org or give them a call at 548-2529. That's 548-2529 for a good uh, discussion of main boats and boat builders coming up on 21st and 22nd of this month. We do have a phone call, I believe. There too. was somebody standing by. Okay, you're good. Yeah. yeah, thank you for waiting. Good morning. Wait, welcome to Boat Talk. Hi. Hi. Hi, Mike. It's your it's your neighbor, Julia. Morning, Julia. How are you? I'm okay. Funny this um this issue of the PFD life vest um came up. I I was just loading my kayak up yesterday afternoon for a nice little paddle and <laughs> got it all loaded into my truck and my paddle and. Been my, great weather for that, hasn't it? Oh my gosh, it was gorgeous! I had my bottle of refreshment and went down to Green Lake, only to find I had forgotten my PFD. And I almost I turned around and was going to go back home because I do not go in my boat without my PFD. And you wear it as well. 
Yep, I yeah. do. I wear it. I, I don't keep do. it, you know, between my legs like some people. <laughs> um, but luckily, my neighbor, where I was launching my kayak, um, I, I nosed around and found one of his old, um, you know, life vests tucked under a canoe. So, so I put that on. But I'll tell you what, I can see why people don't wear those old-fashioned ones. It was some uncomfortable. It was really, really uncomfortable, but I wore it. And back to the bad joke, dear. Unstylish as well, up oh, around yeah. your neck there. I mean, you know. <laughs> really unstylish. The thing was up around my ears, you know. Granted, exactly. it was too big for me. But if people would go out and just invest, you know, and that's not a big investment. I think mine cost maybe 50 bucks. I got it down at Willie's, and it is comfortable. It is, um, and stylish. <laughs> Has pockets and zippers and, and, um... I don't know. I, I don't think anything bad can come of wearing a life vest. I, I can't imagine anyone. It's an excellent point. And I've, I've made the joke of the stylish, but um, it's important that things are easy to be used and are, and are comfortable. And let's face it, look good, too. Yeah. Nobody's going to be parading around with those orange uh, things that, again, you wear up around your ears and you tie with a little bow tie you know, across right. your chest twice. Yeah. Just not happening. And uh, I've had an old um, Marine Patrol guy tell me, says, the only thing those things are good for is to locate your body. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, <laughs> I've got one in the kayak, and that's my excuse, so, you know, in case they find my body. But, right. Uh, yeah. And I have gone overboard. I haven't always been such a stickler for wearing a PFD, but, and I have gone overboard in very fast-moving water without a life vest, and it was scary. Yeah, it was really scary. I mean, I lost, I had my clamming boots on too, and that was even scarier. Mm. Um, lost my sunglasses, lost the clams, and and um, but I was lucky to be alive. Didn't Walked lose you, and, yeah. Yep. Excellent. That was that. So I'm all for the the PFD. Um, you know, people wearing them and not just keeping them in the boat, um, especially in kayaks. You never know what's going to happen. You're so you know close to the water, anything can happen. Um, well, that's, what, that's where I'm at. Very sensible, Julia. Yeah. Thank well, you, Julia. Thanks for calling this morning. Sure thing. Yeah. Take care. I'll add on a little quick, quick thing there, too. I went over once in a kayak myself. I did have a, a life jacket on, but I lost my prescription sunglasses, and I was saying, you know, I really need some of those croquis when you're out there doing that, too, because... It was $200, went down the drain. Yeah, and you uh, lose your glasses, then you're kind of visually impaired after that. that. Not good things going to happen. You're not going to be able to save so yourself. You need life jackets for your glasses, too, if you wear them. John, 866-625-9378 is the number here at Boat Talk this morning. We are just talking about this and that at the present time, talking about the eSport boat school and saving that. Also, uh, making underwater rotor, uh, wind turbine, what do we call them again, uh, Foils. Uh, foils, yes, uh, down to Eastport, Maine there, the end of America. And, uh, yeah, safety issues about wearing your life jacket and, uh, you know, not having that moment of, of regret at the end there. There is an article in the Bangor Daily News from yesterday. Um, Volunteers finishing ship inspired by man's faith in God. <laughs> and this is Dateline Addison, Maine. Mm-hmm. And we had to do a double take because Alan... Sprague and I, uh, a long time ago, went down to Addison, Maine to see a ship being built, inspired by the Word of God, uh, one man's faith in God. It was called Raw Faith, and uh, we covered that for years, and of course it sank last uh, December, south of Nantucket was the end of the Raw Faith story. This ship here on the front page of Monday's Bangor Daily is a schooner that was started being built by a guy named uh, Dino, uh, oh, find Dino's last name in a minute, um, 
Yeah, but anyway, Dino started this in the, uh, well, he received a call from God in the late 70s, and they went the length of the East Coast looking for a place to build a ship, and God told Dino to turn left at Jonesport, and he ended up in Addison, and saw the Addison shipyard for sale, and he started building that thing by hand. His wife taught school, and he worked on the ship every day, but then he died, and the ship's been sitting there now. Alan and I know this schooner because when we went down to Raw Faith, the schooner was butt cheek right next to it. Yeah, we yeah. And yeah, it, it half was, built. It was yeah, half or two thirds built when Raw Faith was just started. So it's, yeah, we're kind of wondering quite a while. Why build Raw Faith? Why not finish this one, George? This one looks like an actual boat, but uh, that's the one that these people are finishing. And these people are a uh, well, they're kind of a Christian ministry, and they're going to call this the Beacon One. W-O-N, Captain Bruce Dunham and his partner Sheila Young plan to sail the schooner south, resting in Maryland and South Carolina before continuing to Nassau in the Bahamas. The ship will become a Christian mission ship, replacing two smaller ships the couple have been using for 19 years. And they're going to take teenagers and church groups on week-long excursions, able to accommodate 30 passengers and a crew of six. And they got volunteers uh, from Christian missions helping them finish the ship uh, enough now to get it south, and they best do it quickly, too, if they want to float the thing south at this season. Uh, sooner is better. they got and, two engines in it, which has got raw faith beat right yeah, there. Yeah, and, and uh, they've been hooked up and everything, and they're building houses on it right now. They look like, like kind of two-by-four garages to me, but, um, you know, uh, that's what's happening down to Addison in the old raw face shipyard. So there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's kind of a curse, isn't it? I, well, I ex- don't, you know. I expect they're going to just motor the boat and put the mast in it at some future date. I don't, I don't even see any masts there in the picture. I think there's a lot to how a boat is born, too, Alan. I think some bo- boats are born with better... Mojo, Juju, what are, what are we going to call it, you know? Yeah, some of them have a very long birth process like this one seems to. Yeah, and some boats are just born cross-keeled uh, or, what, you know, say it however you will, are just laid up wrong somehow and never never come right afterwards. I yeah. can think of a big one built by a, you know, fellow from down to Somme Sound a few years ago down to East Booth Bay, just for anyone who won't say any names, Scheherazade, but, you know, <laughs> it's just never been a happy boat from, mm. from the get-go. You know, uh, never, never has. Maybe, you know, we hope it never will be. It's that, for sale if you'd like to turn it into a happy boat. Yeah, that term Jonah boat goes back quite a ways is the description yeah. of that. So anyway, we uh, also received an email from a fellow named Pip Wick. Pip is over in Brooklyn, and he's got a, uh, I think it's about a 58-foot uh, cruising sailboat here. And these are serious cruising people. They... Um, run up to Newfoundland to break the boat in sort of thing, you know, uh, pretty serious cruising people. Uh, know, know the Atlantic Ocean, and, and I'm thinking a good part of the rest of the world uh, pretty well. But anyway, uh, keep the boat in Brooklyn and have been repowering it in what's called a diesel-electric hybrid way. And for a yacht, we're not talking about Prius car now, we're talking about instead of having the traditional setup for a cruising yacht like that would be a large diesel engine that turns the propeller and powers the boat and another diesel engine as a generator to make electricity to power everything else in the boat and that's how you that's how you, so the the new alternate scheme is two diesel generators or now one diesel generator uh, 
that powers an electric motor that powers the propeller and, and drives the boat and powers all the electrical needs of the boat otherwise, uh, a little diesel hybrid. The, mm. the, the engine does not directly drive the propeller. It drives batteries, and, and it's electric drive there. Yeah. So uh, we'd like to talk to them. We've got a call into these people. Uh, sent us a uh, thing from Blue to Water Sailing, Cruising Green. It's called Power Player, Cruising Couple Take the Leap from Internal Combustion to Diesel Electric yeah. Hybrid. The articles are going to be coming out in next month's issue of Blue Water Sailing. Yep, and they are saving uh, significant amounts of fuel there. And when you're cruising on a sailboat, crossing oceans, let's for instance, and... and uh, you have a limited fuel capacity. And plenty of wind. Um, plenty of wind. And, and again, uh, solar uh, possibilities of recharging these batteries and stuff. And, and, uh, but, uh, you know, to save fuel on a cruising boat like that's uh, pretty good doing. They've spent a lot of trouble and money getting to this goal, too. The first system didn't work out. It cost them years of frustration and re... Uh, but they've kind of persevered. So. Mm. Pip Wick, they're over in Brooklyn. We look More forward to talking to, to them. Yes, More. good one, Alan. Um, our friends at uh, Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors, where we're the uh, boat yard dog MCs, are, have announced a a new website that may be of interest to you if you like going checking out websites. This one is called usharbors.com. That's a capital U S H capital U S H Harbors dot com. It's a website that has uh, tide data, weather forecast, uh, photography, and sort of a, um, a social network attached to it, too. So if you like talking with other uh, boaters. That's so they're expanding out from Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors. Uh, yep. Good for them. This should be an interesting website. We'll have to sort of make a link from Boat Talk, too, to see if we can connect with that, too. You mentioned the Boatyard Dog event, which is, uh, what was it, last uh, August, August 15th or so? Uh, at the Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors uh, Classic August Boat Show down to Rockland's Waterfront Park. Alan and I host the Boatyard Dog World Championship as MC's very improbable gig, but, um, you know. What fun. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, you can go to Facebook and friend the Boatyard Dog, and there is professionally, it was professionally filmed. And they got the edited film up there. I and haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's kind of delightful, I must <laughs> admit. It's mildly embarrassing if you're me, but it's kind of delightful <laughs> for everybody else. So right. uh, Facebook, Boatyard Dog, we highly recommend that. You scroll down a little bit and you'll find it. All right, we do have another car. Let's go to that right close to the end. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Yeah, good uh, morning. Um, I'm sitting on my uh, on my boat right, right, right down now. Oh, perfect. And Thank you so much. Where is your boat? <laughs> Uh, I'm down in um, uh, Belfast Harbor. Okay. What are we sitting uh, on? I'm sitting on a 26-foot uh, uh, Bristol uh, Channel uh, uh, cutter that I spent oh, the last yeah. five years five years re rebuilding, outfitting, and I'm sitting here wiring up my uh, uh, VHF and getting ready to uh, to head south here uh, in about a week. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, def- um, and I define south. Well, uh, eventually uh, headed to uh, 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 Puerto Rico. Yeah. Wow. Uh, south, but I'm. I try not to have too many uh, things in mind specifically because I find that schedules and calendars and things. And Are you going to go down the either coastal or outside? I'm going to go down outside. I've. Uh, she's. Um, oh, are you now? 
Yeah. <laughs> the British Camel Channel Trucker, they're they're a pretty stout boat. Yeah, well, I, um, um, I've uh, I've been sailing her sort of on and off, and I've uh, I've sailed her down and back, and um, so she's a she's a pretty well well sort of suited suited uh, 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 vessel for it. But I'm uh, I've got a uh, um, right right now. It is just me, and I figured I would I would use you guys to uh, to put out a call. I've got um, I've got two guys who say that they might be. Um, 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 uh, available, but I figured I would just sort of put out the call to the wider boating uh, uh, community in Maine and beyond. If mm-hmm. there's someone who's looking for a a, a passage south uh, in about a week and an um, adventure, I'm, and an, of course with they, no fixed schedule, you've got they to be always are. you've got to be free. Yep. Yeah, and um, I'm 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 going down. My first stop from here is uh, Martha's Vineyard, and then I'm going to go uh, to New York, uh, and then down Delaware, Chesapeake, depending upon weather and current and tide and all that. And um, and you've and survived then, this. Pro- you've survived the voyage before. I have survived down. You know, down and back. I've been. Yeah. I've. I actually um, delivered a boat down to Puerto Rico last last year. Um, and was down in Puerto Rico, and it was just it was just loads and loads of uh, uh, fun, um, you know, there. And I'm either I, I've you know, boating world and all that, and work that sort of sometimes get in the way. I've got to get back here. Uh, I'm going to probably go for four, five, six weeks, and then and then I've got to leave the boat for four or five weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm either going to leave it in the uh, Chesapeake, where I've got free dock space, or I'm going to try to go. Uh, you know, try to go all, all, all the way down if I get the right uh, weather uh, window. And so I've got I've got two things, and if I can give you a uh, uh, number, absolutely. Uh, names uh, Bennett, uh, and the phone number is seven two two thirty out six three zero zero six. Okay. Seven two seven two two three zero zero six. So looking if there's someone crew member. looking out there, crew member, I'll supply all the. All the food and grog, and um, <laughs> you just you just need fowlies, and uh, uh, you know pretty much I've, 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 I'm going to have everything else. And the other thing is that if I do wind up having to leave the boat in Norfolk area, um, um, and I and I know you guys have got have got uh, quite a bit of uh, sailing uh, 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 time under your belts. What's it like leaving out of the Chesapeake in January to head south? Oh, it can be uh, nasty! Don't really recommend it. You know, yeah, would recommend I, going down the ditch. I yeah, hate to say it. I'm a I'm a pointer offshore fella, but there's a lot to be said for staying inshore. Um, yeah. We deliver boats, so we we view it as a safety thing. You know, yeah. basically, and keeping close to fuel because we're. But it's your boat. You have much li- larger liability. There's the freedom of the offshore, but man, the inside is it's hard to ignore. It's more expensive, takes more time. It's boring. It takes a lot of time. It's boring. Yeah. Yep. You know? <laughs> Bennett, good luck to you. Point Cease magazine has a crew uh, want crew and need crew service. Yeah. Um at their website, try uh, pointcease.com. Or among the, other things. Or the new usharbors.com. Best website. of luck to you. Uh, Bennett's number seven two two three oh oh six if you wanna sign up for a void south. We're out of boat talk time this morning. Say goodbye, Alan. Make room for Rich Hillsinger coming up next with On the Wing here on Community Radio WERU-FM Blue Hill.